You've got a bucket list, right? Things you want to do, places you want to go before you die. Well, what would be the premier list of the rarest American whiskeys to be on your bucket list? Well, stick around because we're going to talk about the crowdsourced answers right now. So number one on the list, we have A.H. Hirsch. There's a 16-year, a 20-year, and there is an entire book by Chuck Caldry entitled The Best Bourbon You Will Ever Taste About This Whiskey. Backstory on this whiskey, it's not even a Kentucky bourbon. It was distilled by Michter's Distillery in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania. It was commissioned by Adolf Hirsch, and he only had about 400 barrels made, which is actually quite a bit. Um, I, I think it's quite a bit being a small NDP myself, uh, but, but those bottles were not ever bottled by him. They were purchased by Gordon Hugh, um, who acquired them and had Julian Van Winkle III bottle it up for him in his A.H. Hirsch bottle. Uh, the first release was in 1991 and it was a blue wax. Uh, they also have had gold foil, black wax, and decanter bottlings of that release. Uh, obviously, there's never going to be any more made. It was kind of, they captured lightning in a bottle on accident, uh, 400 barrels, and then it's gone. Uh, the brand has since been purchased by Anchor Brewing, and um, they release a, a, a bottling of it that's called A.H. Hirsch, but it is absolutely nothing like the original release. Uh, they're just trying to capitalize on the popularity of the brand. But that is one that I truly hope to have the opportunity to try at some point before I die. Number two on the list, and keep in mind, these were crowdsourced from someone say whiskey, was uh, Double Eagle Very Rare. So, Eagle Rare, very popular product. It is aged 10 years. It's one of the last age-dated products from a major Kentucky distillery that's still available at that pricing. But they came up with this idea of having a double Eagle, which just means aged 20 years. So it's aged twice as long as the regular product. They put a ton of money into packaging for this. So it comes in this beautiful crystal decanter. There are two Eagles, hence the double Eagle. There's an Eagle on top. There's an Eagle inside the glass. And it comes in this beautiful silver box. It has its own light. And quite honestly, a lot of the money has been put into the packaging. Uh, this is another whiskey that I have not had a chance to try. And I hope that I get a chance to have a pour before I leave this earth. Number three. We've referenced this on other podcasts. We are referring to this as Lawsuit Pappy. So Pappy Van Winkle and the, the creator of Maker's Mark, which was Bill Samuels, were friends. Um, Pappy Van Winkle told Bill Samuels, hey, if you're gonna make a whiskey, just copy my weeded mash bill. It'll taste delicious and it'll sell like hotcakes. And so they had a pretty good relationship in the beginning. Fast forward, Stitzelweller shuts down, Maker's Mark's doing fine, and they end up registering a trademark for red dripping wax. Uh, Julian Van Winkle uh, of the Van Winkle family does a special release of Pappy Van Winkle, dips it in wax, it's red, it's dripping, they put it out on store shelves, and Maker's Mark files a lawsuit against them, which is ironic because even the Maker's Mark story acknowledges the Van Winkle family got them their start. Um, the lawsuit didn't take very long. They decided to pull the bottles off the shelves, but not before 
uh, a few of them got sold. And so that has caused this one bottling to be one of the rarest bottles in all of bourbondom. And I have actually seen one and held one at Bardstown Bourbon Company. The great folks over at Bardstown Bourbon Company took us in the back, let us see all their rare bottles. Have no idea how much a pour is, but I suspect that it's expensive. But that would definitely be a bourbon that I'd be very excited to try before I leave this world. Oh, well, hello there, you fellow bourbon lovers, you. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Anyways, I want to invite you over to the bourbonrealtalk.com store today. After the show, go check it out. We've got new merch that's just hit the shop. We've got travel cases for your uh, wee glens and your big glens. We've got toppers for your glens as well. We've got the rocks glasses that we offer now and all the other cool merch that you're used to seeing there. So go check it out after the show and support the channel by checking out our store and picking up a couple things and getting them on your doorstep a few days later. We can't wait for you to check out all the new merch that we've got to offer now at bourbonrealtalk.com. Number four on the list, OFC. And not just any OFC, because I've tried the more recent releases, uh, but 1980, 1982, and 1983 are the ones that I'm specifically interested in. Uh, OFC is the original name of the Buffalo Trace Distillery. It's still on the Keystones. Um, if you have ever heard of Bourbon Pompeii, they were doing some renovations at Buffalo Trace. They were digging to add in an elevator shaft. And as they went through the layers of concrete, they found these old copper fermentation tanks. And it turns out that those were the original tanks that the OFC distillery were using. I believe they probably abandoned that location because in heavy floods, that area of the distillery is underwater. So obviously that'd be a problem if you were trying to ferment your mash there. Um, and last time I was there, the, they've restored the copper tanks, but they were damaged because they had just had a flood. You could see the watermark lines and the flood had actually flexed the copper tanks and pulled them away from their sides and they were, they, they were shut down uh, temporarily until they could get that fixed. Now, the interesting thing about the OFC releases is that uh, there's only been 200 of the three years that I'm talking about, 100 bottles from 1980 and 50 bottles in 82 and in 83. All of the bottles were given to charity organizations to raise money um, and interestingly enough, this is one of the only ones that's on my list that I have actually had a sip of. Somebody gave me about, I don't know, a 16th of an ounce of 82 OFC, and it did not taste at all like the modern releases that I've had. The modern releases are very earthy, musty, uh, taste a little dirty. The one that I had from 82, and it was totally blind, I, I actually... I got a lot of a like a blueberry muffin type component on it, so I'd really love to have a proper pour of that and and see, okay, was that just a fluke or is that really what this stuff tastes like? Because it was pretty tasty. Number five, and the reason why this isn't a bourbon bucket list, but a whiskey bucket list is because number five is a rye, and we're talking about Linnell's Red Hook Rye. Drew Colesvane from Willet and Tanya Linnell Smothers in 2007 met up and became friends. And Linnell had a liquor store in Red Hook, New York, which is kind of an unlikely place to build a high-end whiskey store at. 
Um, it, my understanding is, is that that neighborhood was a little bit of a higher crime area and probably not a lot of the local people that lived there were looking for single barrels and rare bottles of whiskey. But because of her commitment and her high level of customer service, over time she built up a very strong following to the point that when business travelers would come through New York City, they would take the trip over to Linnell's just to see what she had. Now keep in mind, all of this stuff is happening before Willett's higher age statement products have you know, went crazy on the secondary market. And so she ends up working out with Drew to do a single barrel of a rye and she called it Linnell's Red Hook Rye and sold it in her store. And that bottle has become so infamous and worth so much money that she actually had the last few remaining bottles from her release in her personal collection. And she was opening up a new liquor store in a different state and she was short on capital and she was able to raise the money she needed to finish the liquor store by selling those bottles. So it's not uncommon to see these bottles for $20,000 a piece. So unfortunately, never had a chance to try this one. And if I ever do get a chance, I'll feel like I've knocked an important one off of my bucket list. Number six is more of a category than an actual brand. And what we're talking about is Stitzel Weller Weeded Bourbons. So everybody probably knows what Stitzel Weller is. Stitzel Weller was owned by the Van Winkle family. And after that distillery shut down, Julian Van Winkle had access to some of their higher age stated weeded bourbons. And he was turning those into what we know today as Pappy Van Winkle. Of course, that inventory ended up running out and they have switched over to using Buffalo Trace distillate now. And so, <clears throat> you know, they've, they've copied the mash bill and all of that stuff. But a lot of people believe that the Stitzelweller version was a little bit better, a little bit more palatable. Um, they didn't only sell that whiskey as Stitzelweller. In fact, for years, it's been sold as Old Fitzgerald. Um, which is now owned by Heaven Hill. And I've had a couple of uh, taste of Old Fitzgerald squat bottles that had this Stitzelweller weeded bourbon in them. And the stuff is delicious. I've also had it in a Weller squat bottle. And one of the more popular um, bottles and one of the ones that got the most votes was Weller Gold Vein, which is a Weller bottle. But if you look close, it looks like they've... Um, put a very thin uh, random splattering of gold paint on the bottle and people refer to it as Weller Gold Vein. All of it is, you know, old school Stitzelweller uh, weeded bourbon and it is delicious. Luckily, this is one that I've tried a few times. I've had one from 1939 recently that was delicious. It tasted like juicy fruit uh, gum. It, it still had a lot of nice fruit characteristics to it. Uh, just uh, underlacing of that older dusty flavor that starts to taste like leather and musty and you know dank basement and things like that so if you ever get a chance to try one of those you're probably kicking a nice one off of your bucket list but hopefully you enjoyed this list you can make your own list but this is one that was crowdsourced and I happen to agree with every single one of these um, a lot of people were voting for modern releases saying they wanted to try George T. Stagg and whatnot and that's great and those are delicious whiskeys but I wanted whiskeys that were truly once in a lifetime opportunities on this list. And I was able to pick it out of the list. So hopefully you enjoyed this. If this is your first time tuning into the channel, I'd like to welcome you and thank you for the view and let you know that this channel is about getting people connected through bourbon. And connectedness is something that's near and dear to my heart because I lost my brother to suicide in 2014. 
And it made me realize that there's probably people all around that feel alone, that feel like they aren't loved and they're not connected, like my brother did. And as I began to participate more in the hobby of collecting whiskey and I met more and more people, I started to see how whiskey combats those feelings because when you're involved in this community, it's very hard for you to not feel connected because there's people around you that you're networking with, that you're sharing bottles and samples with and all of that stuff. And it's a beautiful thing. So since I wanted to do something to help the world to feel connected and I saw the power of whiskey, I thought, well, if we start this podcast, I can get people connected to whiskey and whiskey will do the job and get you connected to others. Also during this process, I've gotten more and more involved in social media. And the downside of that is sometimes people say hateful things to strangers online. And I don't like that. But seeing that made me realize that if somebody can say something hateful to you online, it's just as easy for me to love you. And that's why and every podcast the same way. And that's this. If you woke up this morning and you're unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk. We didn't get any outtakes either. Oh, I just saw that, yeah. We didn't get any outtakes on that last one. We're being too serious. Yeah. <laughs> We're not drinking. <laughs> Let's get this shit done. I want to go to lunch. Um, I guess that could be an outtake. Yeah. <laughs>